Welcome to From the Field to the Fans podcast. I'm your host, Paul Livingood. Joining me, senior sports reporter, Matt Gerberts. How you doing, Matt? Doing all right. Getting up early this morning. Didn't do anything too crazy last night. Did, so. you, did you end up going to Worst Fest? Or? I did not go to Worst Fest. Oh, I decided man. to stay in town and hit the square, but it was all right. It was pretty crowded out there. A lot of football players. Oh, speaking of football players, uh, they had a game yesterday against New Mexico State. Uh, it was the homecoming game. A very cold day. Um, it didn't rain like we thought it was going to. Yeah, the meteorologist in this town just is all wrong all the time. I, I'm not going to prepare anything like that towards the weather again. <laughs> since they're always wrong. Yep, so the meteorologist predicted that it was going to rain uh, very heavily all day on uh, Saturday. All that weekend, really. Yeah. All weekend, and that was not the case. It was very cloudy, very windy <clears throat> in that regard, but... Um, without further ado, the game was played on Saturday. Texas State lost, uh, at least shockingly to me. Um, they were favored by 17.5 points on the spread, and they were 86% favorites on the ESPN Football Power Index. They lose by 10, 21-31. Um, they now sit in the, uh, last place in the Sun Belt, tied with Georgia – sorry, second to last place in the Sun Belt. Uh, tied with Georgia State, so what what happened, Matt? What, what what's your analysis there? Well, they had a good start. They were winning throughout the first half, and then the second half, the offense just couldn't get going. They only scored seven points in the whole second half, and then the New Mexico State just started giving the ball to their workhorse running back Larry Rose, who put up 207 yards rushing in two TDs, and then had that back-breaking 75-yard catch on the drive that gave them the 31 to 21 yep. point lead. They so, just couldn't get going on offense. We'll get to that in a minute. Um I think the biggest question mark of the game was a call or maybe or or not call made by Fran to go for it uh towards the end of the game. So can you set the scene for us and tell us what happened there? All right, well, it's 31 or it's 24 to 21. Texas State's got the ball at the 50 yard line with about 8:40 left. They just completed a pass to make it fourth and two. Fran sees the opportunity that they could go for it, possibly score, take the lead, or give the ball back to New Mexico State, who had just been just scored a touchdown, a long touchdown. They've been driving, and Fran decides to go and go ahead and punt the ball. And Luby Kaba kicks the ball into the end zone, so it's only a net of like 20, 30 yards. So they didn't really get too much off the punt. And New Mexico State scores in three point three plays, and all of a sudden it's thirty one twenty one with about seven six minutes to go. So there you go. Then you said that backbreaker play by Larry Rose. They sent a corner blitz that Larry Rose just kind of went around, and Fran said in the press conference that someone was supposed to peel off and go cover that. Whoever that was did not do that, and Genty just threw it over the top. Very lofted, easy pass, and Rose just took it 77 yards of the house. So, I mean, that put the Bobcats down by 10. Like with you said, like with about seven minutes to go, um, Texas State at that point is by no means out of the game. But that very next drive, they they drove 16 plays. Uh, no, sorry, not, not 16 plays. Where is it at? 12 plays, 68 yards, and they get down to the New Mexico 10-yard line. 
and what happens? Tyler Jones throws an interception right into the the gut of Nwanga. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. It's but a it's a very uh, very weird spelled name. I don't I don't know I don't know where he's from. Yeah, he's from Texas. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean he Tyler Jones throws an interception on the two yard line that which ultimately I think was the the dagger of the game because that was with about 3.30 left in the game. They score a touchdown there. It's only a three-point game. I, I'm guessing they would go for an onside kick there. I don't think Fran's going to put another opportunity in his defense's, defense's hands after they've let them down all second and half and all fourth quarter. But still, he scored a touchdown there. Anything could happen. And the blitz is coming pretty hard in Tyler Jones' face. And Jones said after the game that he made a bonehead play and just threw it into coverage hoping something good would happen. And Nothing good happened. He said he should have thrown it away, but hindsight, it looks good in hindsight. But yeah, I mean, especially in hindsight, when we were talking to Fran about the the fourth and three call, um, obviously in hindsight you'd say that you would want to go for it in that situation. Um, looking back on it, um, but in the situation, uh, you have to put yourself in Fran's shoes. You, for me, the reason why if I was him, if I, I would have gone for it was just because of the fact that they were two for two on fourth down in that game. And he went for it on fourth down earlier in the game when he was on like their own 30 yard line or something like that. It was it was a it was a shorter down in distance. It was like a foot to get. But to do that on your thir- your own 30 yard line in this like first or second quarter of the game, as opposed to at the end of the game when you need to score to go ahead, and you're at midfield, I feel like that would be a much more, like, inclined position to do to, to go forward on fourth and, and short. Yeah, and Fran's usually a pretty aggressive coach. I don't know why he went away from, from, his, from his methods. It just seems like something was going on. Maybe – I don't know. I want to know, like, what was going on between all the coaches, who made yeah. the final decision. I wonder if, you know, Tyler Jones went up to Fran and said, we should go for it, we should go for it. Or Fran, that would have been interesting to know. Because, um, like you said, Fran is a very uh, aggressive coach. And whenever I was watching it uh, in the press box, I thought to myself, and I think I even said out loud, I was like, yeah, Fran's probably going to go for this, I, w- I would think. Because, I mean, watching him all season, knowing his tendencies, I figured that he would go for it. But I guess not this time. And it bit him in the butt. And you saw what the Twitter backlash because of losing to a team that was one in seven. Yeah, that one bad bad play call could wind up being. It's gonna. He's probably already on the hot seat now because of it, but that could be one step closer to his termination possibly. But he's got plenty of time to make up for that for the mistake. But I think he he's safe in the sense that just because he's proven to be a successful coach, and Texas State got him for a bargain. I mean, his salary is only like four hundred something thousand dollars. Which is like in the middle tier of the Sun Belt as far as how coaches are paid. And his resume is about as good as you're going to get in yeah, the Sun Belt. It, Coach it, Alabama, exactly, TCU, exactly. AM. Can't beat that. So moving on to Larry Rose. He, he killed it. He, he killed it today. He had a great game. He, uh, Fran says that he needs to put on some more weight for the NFL, which I think he can. But he looks like a pretty solid little scat back who. He was pretty good receiving, and he had 292 all-purpose yards. He had 31 carries, so he's able to take a high workload, 207 rushing yards, two two rushing touchdowns, one receiving. He looks like a pretty good, good pretty good player, and he's only a sophomore, so he's going to be doing he's this for He's probably going to be the future of this conference. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, now he, like, he, uh, he now leads uh, the Sun Belt 
in rushing yards, he passed Matt Breida because Georgia Southern did not have a game this week. They had a bye week. So with his 207-yard performance, I, I want to say he passed Matt Breida in like the second or third quarter. Yeah. Um, but he only did like 80 yards. And he and he passed uh, the New Mexico State lady, the SID for them. They, she was on top of her game. Shout out to her. Uh, I don't know her name, but um, she was on top of the whole all the Larry Rose stats. I want to say like in the second quarter. He surpassed the the total that he made last season, and this is only the seventh, no, eighth game of the season, and so he still has four more games to go. Um, but it's the second thousand yard season for Larry Rose, so he should dominate the conference in the future. He definitely dominated the Bobcats on Saturday, and it just showed a recurring theme that Texas State doesn't know how to stop the run. An interesting tidbit about Larry Rose is that. He was actually recruited to Texas State to play cornerback. So he comes back here thinking, because he's from Texas, comes back thinking, oh, this team doesn't think I can run the ball. They don't think I can play running back. Well, I'll show them, and he showed us for sure. They, yep, he definitely showed that, that Bobcat run defense that is last in the Sun Belt. They give up 285.5 rushing yards per game. They just they don't know how to stop anyone with legs they just don't have a lot of meat in the front the front line they always get pushed around and and missed tackles is another problem and missed tackles, when you combine missed tackles, those two tackles missed tackles mm. it seems like with the texas state defense one they don't turn over that turn over the ball that much they're negative seven on the season and turnover margin um they did do a better job yesterday in terms of stopping them on first and second down and they forced New Mexico State into 23 third downs, but they couldn't stop them on third down. They allowed uh, they allowed them to convert 13 times, so that's 56 percent. Yeah, it's also one of the worst uh, third down converting offenses in the country. It's their uh, dead last in the Sun Belt, converting 31 percent of their con- their third downs, and Texas State is going to make that uh, make that percentage go Most up. Most of those game. third downs were not third and shorts. They were third and mediums, third and longs. They had the one drive where they had the third and eight, and then the third and 15, and then the third and 20. And it was they're getting beat by a quarterback that made his first career start on Saturday. I wonder if that had anything to do with the scouting report since they had never seen him before. They didn't know what he was going to do. That always seems to be in the the, uh, the the newbie's favor whenever the other team doesn't know what you're going to do. But when he gets a couple if of games If you have under, talent and they don't know what you're going to do. Exactly, yeah. But whenever he gets a couple more games under his belt, they get some they get some tape on you, they see your tendencies, all of a sudden then it's in their favor. And then that guy is forced to make an adjustment. And then that's when you really see how they're going to do in their career when it comes to a newbie's career. But – yeah, third down conversions, that's a big big problem for Texas State. They're also dead – Texas State's dead last also in the Sun Belt for third down defense at 50%. So There you go. Texas, New Mexico that's State telling. won that battle. Texas State almost almost got a pick on Saturday. Yeah. They, on that third and 20, Genty kind of forced it into triple coverage and somehow, some way found a way to get the completion there. I don't know. De La Rosemond's hand was right there. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed – I thought he was going to at least tip it. But Fran said that he thought he was going to almost intercept. I mean, Fran has a better perspective. He's on the field and I'm not. So, I don't know. Just Texas State, they, they don't get turnovers. That's the big thing. Fran always talks about turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. At the beginning of the season, he, he, that was one of his points of, eff- uh, of emphasis. 
for his defense to improve at is getting turnovers this season to give the ball back to that Bobcat offense that is so potent at running the ball and putting up points on the board. Yeah, there was a couple interception opportunities. There was the one where it was a deep ball. Um, I think New Mexico State was backed up to their own end zone, and didn't she just threw it up in the air? It was kind of a loft, kind of a duck almost, and David Mims did not even intercept it. He actually ran into the receiver, causing a pass interference. I remember that, yes. Yeah, and it was that was an easy interception. He did just didn't turn his head. And that put their that put them in in plus territory after that, because um, I mean that when he bumped into the receiver, he was they were on about the fifteen yard line or so. Mm-hmm. So I mean that penalty pushed them up uh, fifteen yards. Yeah, that was a bonehead play, another bonehead play. Been Just bonehead plays galore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. David Mims, he had a couple good plays. He had that sack, but then right after that he gave up a third and 15. David Mims had another yeah, D-minus game. The, he was the benef- – or not the beneficiary, but he was the one that got picked on um, on that third and 15 play. I don't. For some reason, whenever David Mims, he, he, gets, he gives up crucial plays in crucial moments. And that third and 15 is a prime example – um, I felt like he had way too much cushion on that wide receiver. Um, they literally just ran a stop route, 15-yard stop route, and the, the guy just broke down, and David Mims was like seven yards away from the guy, so he has to break on it, and it takes time to get there. So, I mean, it, it's just situa- you got to know situational football like that. It's amazing how the season's gone on that uh, David Mims, at the beginning of the year, they were pick- nobody was really throwing his way. They were picking on McDowell a lot. Then McDowell started stepping his game up, and then all of a sudden they realized David Mims might not be as good as the Sun Belt says he is, and and now he's the one getting picked on because McDowell actually played pretty well yesterday. He had a couple he did real very good deflections. Well. McDowell's played well this entire season, I feel like. Yeah, he's he's the future of that secondary. He's the sophomore, and Mims is the senior. But I don't know. I mean, David Mims was looking that way last year too when he was the the second second hand man behind Mager. Definitely. So we'll see what happens in the future with that. Conversely, for the Aggies' defense, they also statistically are very bad um, in terms of total defense. They give up 560 yards per game. That's last in the Sun Belt. They did allow Texas State to get 400 yards, which is, I mean, in in perspective, that's qu- quite a bit. But the big thing for them was they forced three turnovers, a fumble and two picks from Tyler Jones. Yeah, and then those two picks. The last pick was kind of in garbage time, but the first interception was big for them. That was the game sealer for them. They also had another interception on that same drive. They got called back on a holding holding penalty. So Tyler Jones pretty much threw two interceptions on their comeback attempt drive. I'm glad you said that because Tyler Jones has been struggling the past few games. When you look at his stats, in, in his first five games, he had seven touchdowns and two interceptions, but in these past three games – He's had two touchdowns and four interceptions, so it's a complete flip on on his production. It's really crazy. He, I think, it's, maybe it's the weather. I don't know what it is, but he was playing really good when the weather was real nice and it was hot, just just like it was in the summer and the beginning beginning of the year. But since the since then, it's been kind of cold. It was a rainy game in there, and two touchdowns, four interceptions. That's inexcusable. And it's just too bad that. When Tyler Jones was playing well, they were playing the more difficult teams in their schedule. They were playing the Florida States of the world and the Houston, who's now a a top 25 team. They weren't at the time, but they are now. Mm -hmm. And Southern Miss, who has a a high potent offense, and that that they needed the the Bobcats needed that game. But I mean, that's in the past. So it it hurts that 
that Tyler Jones is struggling right now in the games that are winnable just because that reflects in the record. As Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. So I don't know if the Bobcats are even going to be able to turn this around anymore. I think that was this game was the backbreaker for the season. I, um, I don't. I don't even. Know. They might not even make 500. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make 500. They should. They could beat Georgia State because they're head last. It's kind of the battle of the last place teams. But <laughs> and then they got Idaho and Arkansas State, who looks really good. It's Arkansas it's not, State's leading the conference right now, five and zero. I know. Yeah, they look good. Just beat. Uh, they beat App State yesterday. They're looking looking pretty solid. Moving or forward to on Thursday. our over unders. <laughs> We uh we didn't do very good at at predicting our over unders and our bold predictions, which we'll get to after that. I think no, I don't think anyone did good on the over unders. Yeah, Everyone I mean, was expecting a shootout. I, I, yeah, I took the I just took the over under that was posted on ESPN. It was seventy three points. They only scored fifty two between uh combined between the two teams, and we both said that we thought it was going to be over seventy three. So I was saying close to a hundred. <laughs> So we are both dead wrong on that. And then also 100 yards for Robert Lowe. I figured Robert Lowe would have a good game. Um, he, I guess if you look at things in perspective, he didn't have a terrible game, but he didn't have a good game either. Yeah, he averaged four yards a carry, 88 yards com- total, didn't have any touchdowns, but he had some good runs there. The New Mexico State defense actually surprised me a lot. They were swarming the ball. Um, Coach Schultz said during the week that they're not as bad as you think they're going to be, and he was right. They were swarming, and Robert Lowe didn't find a lot of space. Even Tyler Jones only had 22 yards rushing. He had two touchdowns on some option plays, but he only averaged 1.7 yards a carry. So they were they were doing pretty well in their struggling run defense. Yeah, but you said that uh, in the press box to me that um, Schultz said that they're they're a fiery energetic defense I mean if you you get them all riled up they can they can make some plays on you and then our final over under was the zero picks on the season if whether or not they're going to get one we both said that they would we said different people but you uh you predicted that McDowell was going to get it right and I said David Mims was mm-hmm. um I don't even think I don't think either of them were even close oh David Mims almost if he would have yeah. turned around he could have got he could have got the season's only pick but <laughs> yeah it was a it was an intercepted capable ball but he didn't he didn't he didn't do uh, his right I want to say there was if I had to guess there was about four or five that were possible to be intercepted that they were interceptable um but through eight weeks Texas State's still the only team in the nation with no interceptions I know I want to I want to find out if any of the teams ever done it but I'm just going to assume that they hasn't done it and Texas yeah, State might we're make just gonna, history for right now we're going to assume that it hasn't been done just because it's a cool stat but um, I'm going to do some research on that because I want to see I've been looking if, it, it's hard. if it hasn't happened, then that would be crazy. But if it has happened, I want to know like when it, when it was or if it was recent or in the old days. But In the old days, I'm sure, back when they only passed the ball like 10 times and ran the ball 70 times. That's true because they, they ran the ball. It was a more run-oriented uh, game back then. So that's definitely possible. Um, moving forward to our bold predictions, we were – once again, we didn't do very well. I, my bold, uh, bold prediction was that Texas State would not allow 30 points. And I was close. Yeah. I was close. But I'm still wrong. So I admit my defeat and my, my wrongness in my bold prediction. Um, at first, I, when I was listening, to, listening back to the tape, I, I couldn't tell um, what yours was because I, like, I kind of 
interrupted you and like before you could say anything we started talking went on a tangent but um i but then i heard that you predicted that they were gonna win 44 41 on a game winning drive so i was like yeah that's pretty bold so, i mean maybe if tyler jones doesn't throw a pick there at the end and they get the ball back it's that, possibly that, that could, you could yeah that could have been the potentially game winning it, it drive wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been 44 to 41 and 34 to 31 so that would have been close i also predicted that tyler jones would have a big game and he didn't really have a big game. He had an okay game, just those two interceptions and that one fumble kind of didn't did not look too yards too wise. Hot. He was all right. It was like two ninety something. Yeah, two hundred eighty seven passing, twenty two on the ground. So he had over three hundred yards, which is around his season average for total yards per game. So he'll still be up there at the top of the rankings for total yards in the Sun Belt, but wins not so much. Yeah, wins is what er, wins are what matter. Um, Texas State doesn't have a lot of them. Uh, moving forward, I don't I don't know what to expect of them. So, um, wrapping up this podcast, any final thoughts on this Texas State football team? Well, this season's a disaster. It's it's not what they expected. They got four games left. Their next two home games are definitely winnable with Georgia State and UL Monroe, and then Idaho is not not the greatest team. They got to go into Moscow, Idaho. Moscow, Idaho. That's a weird city name. <laughs> but uh, they got to go and finish two games on the road. If they could just win three of the next four, that would be nice to make it a five and seven. That's somewhat respectable. But I don't know. It's, I think five and seven would be salvaging a season. Yeah, that's about as good as it's going to get. Because I don't see them going into Arkansas State and beating them. Even though they did kill Arkansas State last year. But last year was a different year, especially on the win side. But yeah, yep. final thoughts. It's just it's it's a the season's a disaster. It's it's definitely a failure. The only thing they can do right now is just try to get five get to five and seven. My final thought: um, it's the season hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go. But and I think the season was riding on this game. And the Bobcats didn't deliver, so I don't. I th- I I was texting Keith the other day, oddly, and he was like, "Yep, I think their season's over now." And I want to. I kind of want to agree with him. So I, we'll see what happens. They'd have to win out to go to be ball eligible. That would be a hell of a a hell of a story. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. And even at six and six, it's not a guarantee. I don't. They're gonna I don't make think it. they would make a bowl at six. But that would that mean that would mean that they would beat the the head of the Sun Belt, uh, Arkansas State, at the very end, the very end of the season. Yeah, that would be that'd be impressive. That'd be a good note going into next season. And it's it's sad that they couldn't get the win on homecoming either. They usually schedule that game for a game that they should win, and they weren't able to pull it off this year. Yep. Well, that's all we got for you guys. So for Matt Gervitz, I am Paul Livingood. See you next time. <laughs>